I'm sure a lot of you out there, when you, when things go really well, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. The devil, the evil, the demons, they feed off anxiety. And the anxiety is something that's been, it's a lie which has been instilled into you from previous trauma. I'm, I'm human too. You know, I have rough weeks. I have rough emotional weeks. I have rough mental weeks. And uh, this was one of them. Who deals with depression and anxiety and who has been in an abusive relationship, they can recognize these things. You can see that in somebody else. Iron sharpens iron, but man sharpens man. This is Men in Your Life, unapologetically human. Here are your hosts, Dan and Brady. This, this music works with your sound effects the best. I, I believe that's... With my uh, my mouth bass? Yes. Bow, the, bow, the, bow, the, bow, I can't bow, even call it beatboxing. That is terrible. Bow, that is bow. absolutely horrible. We have already Hello. gone off the rails. Oh, yes. Well, you know, that's yeah. what we do the best. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Men in Your Life, Unapologetically Human. I am Dan, and that is... Brady, I'm here. Yeah. What's going on, man? Oh, nothing much. What's going on with you? I don't know. We'll turn that off. This is... Actually, is yeah. Unsettling. I, I, why did you let that... Why did you let that go for so long? That's... To be fair, you approved of it before we started recording, yeah, which was also I, like two minutes ago. I was about to say, yeah, you, you kind of <laughs> sprung it on me. It sounded like 80s porn music, but I mean, not that I would know what that sounds like. I've, right. I've, I've heard um, stories. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I don't Fables. know if you noticed I was struggling with the and I probably caught it on and I'm just going to leave it because I was hitting the the button to start the video and it wouldn't start. So then when I hit it for the fifth time, it started the video and then I guess it was a delay, so it restarted the video yeah. within like two seconds. And I was like, you yeah. know what? Yeah. I'm done. I'm just done with this. What's you know, going you on, think man? I, you'd think after a year and a half, we'd know what the hell we were doing. But <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, big uh, guy? Nothing, man. Um, my mom's in town. Um, she's uh, she She's spending a few days, five days, I believe, before she heads down to... Her uh, next vacation spot. I thought she for some for some reason I had it backwards. I thought she was coming up after she went on vacation, but she's actually headed to vacation. Um, the the kids love seeing her, and so do I, and you, you know, so does my my wonderful and beautiful wife. And yeah, we're having it. We're having a good time. I mean, work is hectic. Um, ever since the promotion, I've been getting busier and busier with more and more important stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, things are going all right. I'm, it, it's, I'm, I, it's still, a str- you know what, in, in, in the interest of, you know, being completely honest, it's still a struggle. Um, some days, uh, it's still a struggle financially to try to ca- kind of get caught up. Um, it's amazing. You know, me and my mom talked about it the other day that, you know, it only takes you, you know, a week or two to get behind, but it takes you six months to get caught back up. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, but it's, I mean, but we're all right. I mean, we're, we're doing okay. Uh, how about you? How, how's, how's everything going? I, I know, uh, for a while there you were having, having a sleep issue. How's that going? Um, sleep issue for myself or my child. Uh, for your, <laughs> Both. 
for your child. Nobody here cares about what, how your sleep is. Here. No, actually, uh, uh, she baby's sleeping good now. We got her yeah. on a routine, like a legit routine, and um, the Chris and his wife uh, really helped us out, like trying to stay focused, like don't like don't break, like it's real, be really easy because you're fighting all of your internal like parenting where you're just like, oh no, she's crying, she needs me, and then really it's yep. like she's just upset because. She's not get, she's not getting the same thing that she wanted before, and she has, things are changing. And we all don't yeah. nobody wants to change. Like we all hate changing from routines. But she's sleeping good. She's sleeping through the night, still waking up at like five thirty six a.m., which is probably more so my fault because I'd basically been waking up before six a.m. my entire life. So <laughs> well, yeah. she might have got she might have gotten that trait from me. But uh, other than that, good. I myself have not been sleeping well for some reason. Uh, I don't know. I for like a week I've been waking up at like two o'clock in the morning on the dot, and then it's backed up to like one o'clock in the morning. I don't I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It's That's just weird, weird. man. It's, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is, is something going on that you want to share? Or? No, I. Is there something going on that you don't want to share? No, no, I don't. I don't know. Like it it baffles me. Like I'll wake up, and I'm like, I'm not even like waking up to go to the bathroom. I just wake up, roll over, look at the clock. I'm like, oh, son of a bitch, and then I I just roll over and go back to sleep. This is kind of perfect, man. How does that? How does that affect your mentals? I mean, you said it's been going on for about a week. Or or, I mean, when does it? Um, When does the lack of sleep really start to hit you? Uh, probably if, if, I don't know. I mean, even with all that, it hasn't really bothered me too much. I mean, I've been tired, but it doesn't like, it doesn't bother me as a way where it looks like messes up the mentals. But if I get like, if I get like three hours of sleep consistently, that's what will screw me up. But if I'm getting, I mean, I go to bed at like seven thirty, eight o'clock. I mean, I wake up early to get to work. I mean, I have to, I have an hour travel into the job. So I get, get up around three fifteen, three thirty. So I go to bed at seven 30. I'm usually asleep by like eight 15. So eight 15, nine 15, 10, 15. So I'm still getting like five and a, you know, five hours of sleep or so, which I'm used to functioning on anyway. But as I oh, get older, too. you know, as, as I get older and it's not going to be, um, doable. Well, I mean, probably, you're pushing 40. So I am 33. I mean, it's 32, 40, 33. Do you know? I don't know. We'll, we'll circle back to that. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's you know, I mean, you're, you're pushing 40. It's just not pushing yeah. back. No. Um, but other than that, I mean, we, uh, we got the final, um, approval for the deck. So the deck awesome. is, yeah, we're doing some stuff in the basement. Um, uh, we start, my dad was here and he's been doing a lot, um, starting with the framing in the basement and we're going to throw up some electrical soon and go from there. We got a dog. We got a new dog. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. We got a new dog. I wasn't really ready for a dog, but, um, there was kind of a mishap in communication and my wife thought I, my wife thought I was okay with going to meet this dog. I didn't really say yes or no, but I was just like, all right, whatever. So we went cause we already told him where we're going. And then when I met the dog, I was like, all right, I was like, this, this is a good dog. <laughs> You're coming home to me. Yeah. I was like, it's, it's, she's really good with the baby. I saw the, oh, I saw the picture really good with the baby. of them playing on the floor. Yeah. That was adorable. Yeah. She's awesome. Um, that's yeah. your Christmas card right there. I'll, I'll, I mean, you might want to put the words actually over the dog. So we have Christmas cards. We did holiday photos with the baby already. Um, yeah, with Santa. She met Santa, and oh, awesome. I will I will show you some now that they're approved. Now that they've been edited and, and sent back to us, I'll send some to you to show you. So, did, um, 
did they get edited to where you have hair or no? I'm not in them. <gasps> it's only the baby and in, in, in Santa. It's only the baby and Santa? It's only the baby oh, and Santa. Oh, God, that's got to be so cute. It's fucking awesome. But yeah, other than that, man, dude, other than that, it's good. And, you know, life's good right now. Work is work. And, yeah, you know, we, we talk work. about we talk about work at work. So, I mean. Yeah, we, we talk we talk about work all week long. You know, we Which talk, I think, about, talk about bullshit. And now we talk about work. I mean, we still bullshit, too. But, um, yeah, <laughs> but I think... It's funny because we, we, if you look back at it, we used to go almost every single episode talking about work, like our shit going on at work, whether, yeah. you know, between, well, and now if you know, I mean, so, yeah, but think about it. You spend a 30 year time, a 30 year life at work. I mean, of course right. you're going to talk about it. But think about it. We don't, we don't really do that now. Not so much. I mean, well, I think one of it is because we work together. So it's kind of yeah. easier to, understand what's going on and we don't I have think to the worry. guys on friday are getting tired of it uh... maybe <laughs> i don't care they, they don't can care. deal with they're it too this, yeah this. but um it's it is uh the uh 6th of november and uh everybody knows that november is men's mental health month month and um Mo- november. Month, november and uh as you guys know um chris who's been a I would say kind of like a regular on our, on our show. Um, I mean, he's it, definitely one of the biggest supporters of what we're doing. Yeah. A hundred percent. I know we haven't had him on recently, which that is going to change. Um, but he is actually doing a fundraiser run for, for Movember, um, which is also quote unquote, no shave November, which is obviously for me is no shave. Never, but, um, <laughs> but he's actually, yeah, he's going to do a, uh, He's raising funds for the Movember movement. Um, so, like, if anybody wants to donate, you can uh, anything like that. You can um, reach out on our Facebook page directly at Chris and get in touch with him. I can. I'll have him repost it on the page if anybody's interested. Yes, um, absolutely. In the time frame that, and he's. I think he said he's. He's gonna. He's gonna do sixty miles. So I don't know who in their right mind would ever want to do sixty miles, but he's gonna do sixty miles, and he's actually. Dude, he's actually a hell of a runner. Um, he's doing like marathons and five Ks and like and stuff like that, and like placing oh, at like awesome. the top of the list of runners. Like he's oh he's really? Insane. Yeah, he's crazy. Um, yeah, he is a little crazy. <laughs> so I'll have him post in the Facebook group. And since we have, I think it's probably been like a couple months now. We haven't really brought it up, but we started a uh, dudes and dads support group on Facebook. And yes. um, we've have we have a, a decent a decent amount of people. Um, and Chris is also very uh, interactive on there as well. Um, so anybody that is interested more on interactive Facebook, than we are, honestly. yeah, a little more interactive than we are. But it's nice that there are people that are interact because that's kind of what the page is about. It's about just yeah. a free place to just vent, post, talk, well, ask questions, yeah. things like that. Well, what an the, open what forum. Things, yes, one of the things that you know, the, the dads group that that you joined that um, that I'm I'm a part of. I mean, let's just be straight with this. This is a lot of guys bitching about their wives. Yep. It is. And you know, and, which is fine. Not our group. We, not our group. No. no, not our group. But the ones that the, the, the group that you and I joined um, on, on Facebook, the dad's group, it's a lot of bitching about, uh, about their wives, which, you know what? You need a place to do that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I mean, I don't, I, I really, 
and I know you guys have heard this from both me and Dan repeatedly. I don't really have anything to bitch about my wife. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. Right. We're not in a place for that. I, I mean, we're not. Uh, but you know, I understand there are some men in, in some situations that they they need an outlet, and I get that. I completely. I mean, my my ex-wife. Uh, I I definitely needed an outlet for that because you know I had no friends, but. Um, the fact of the matter is, is, you know, I'm, I'm not going to clown on them for that, but that's not what our group is about. Our group is, is very much about, you know, and, and I said this when we, when we first started it, which by the way, I didn't know we were starting it. I just all of a sudden got an invitation on Facebook to be <laughs> finished. This that, group. Was a, that was a that was a late night. That was one of those like you know what we talked about it. It's in my mind. Let's I need to just go it. ahead. I need to just do it before I forget yeah. about it. And and it's a good thing. And honestly, I, I feel like we have we have done some some good. And and you know that was one of the things that I came out front with it immediately was this is not this is not a place to to you know to to talk shit to each other. This is not a place as as much as men like to do that. And there are definitely plenty of forums that you can, but this is not a place to talk shit. This is no. not a place for negativity. This is a place to support each other. That that is right. what we do. Um, you know, if you're in if you're in a, a bad situation, we're not going to sit here and call you an idiot. We're gonna you know we're gonna support you. We're gonna we're gonna try try to build you up. And I feel like that's that's something that is sorely needed. Yeah, and uh, I don't know where some of these people that are joining our group, I don't know where they're finding us at because we, like we said, we don't pay for promotions and stuff. So no. I don't know if somebody's sharing it or whatever, but um, again, if anybody's interested, uh, you can search on Facebook. It's Dudes and Dads, uh, you know, support group, or, or no, I think it's just Dudes and Dads. Um, it'll no, come it's up, a but support group. it is support group. So yeah. it'll come up. Um, we do have it set where you have to agree to a set of rules and, and we, mm-hmm. somebody, one of the admins between myself or Brady or Chris will will let you in. But one of the reasons why I did that was because of the dad support group that you invited me to, which I am no longer a part of because I dropped out. Yeah. Yeah. I got got into a couple of heated debates with some people in that group about the way that they openly discuss certain things. And I was just like, you know, there's people they were complaining about their divorce or, or their, how their wife isn't doing it. And I'm like, well, no fucking reason. Like, look at the way you talk about them behind yeah. their back to other people. Like, yeah. I, like they're no fucking shit, dude. So like you said, no, our group is not supposed to, our group is not about that. It will never be about that. It is literally no, a place for be. guys to just talk. Yeah. That's it. No man. judgment. Nope. I mean, it is 100%. I mean, and, and we are, we, we've been, we spent our lives in, in industries, working in industries that, I mean, truthfully, there was very little support for men. There, there were, we talked a lot of shit to each other. We, I mean, I've, I, in the kitchens, I almost got to do more than one fight. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, we, it's very verbally abusive what, what men, you know, do to each other at work. And, I'm not necessarily saying that's going to stop, but it's got to stop. You know, there's there's one thing like if you and I worked in the same warehouse and, you know, you and I are, t- hey, what, how you doing today, fucker? I mean, that kind of stuff is, <laughs> is, is I mean, and but we have that relationship. Right. I mean, right. there are people, there are people that I have worked with from, you know, for years that, you know, they kind of, I mean, as shitty as it sounds, it's, it's a human, I mean, it's. They, they have the right to talk to me like that because we've built that rapport and we've built that friendship right. and we've built that relationship to where I don't take anything they, they say seriously as far as that goes. Right. Um, then, then there are the people that get hired, you know, last month 
that try. want to yeah. that want to join in, which I which and I I kind of feel bad a little bit afterward, but at the same time, there's you know, it, you, you have to kind of earn your place. And and as shitty as shitty as that may sound, it's it's just a fact. And that's no matter where you work. It's kind of like if you think about it, it's kind of like if. Uh, you see somebody and you try to like go shoot your shot with them. And it's kind of like mm-hmm. the same way where they're just kind of like, Oh, okay. Like I, yeah, we're, we've been friends for like eight weeks. Maybe I can be like, Hey fucker. You're like, no, don't, don't, don't talk to me yeah. that way. I don't know who you are, but no, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. The hell you not. just say to me, the oh. fuck did you just say to me? Oh my well, God. And then, man. and then with my promotion that actually had to stop. And this is, I mean, this is a really good, Actually, I didn't even think about it until just now, but this is a really good, you know, little thing to say. Um, since my promotion with my immediate employees, some of that had to slow down. Yeah. Some of that, I mean, because, you know, we would joke around and we would, you know, call each other names, which we still do to a certain extent. But at the same time, I'm in a position now where I have to, you know, know what I'm saying is is what's happening. It's not, this isn't, a, hey, I'm going to talk to so-and-so and try to get the, no, I'm, I'm actually in a position now that I can actually enact these these things and this is this is happening yeah and and you know i've i've ruffled a couple feathers since my promotion and maybe that's maybe that's a negative thing it really i mean i'm still feeling my way into into this into this position that i'm in we ruffled how oh just by you know um bringing back some of their old requirements now that we're fully staffed and i even even oh, when i was talking about like with employees or just yes. like higher ups no with employees higher oh. ups actually Higher ups and I, we get, a, we get along great. I mean, we're, no, we're, we'll no, fuck that shit. Yeah. You know, they, they but, always say if, if somebody's mad at you because you're doing your job, it's because they're not doing theirs. Like, exactly. like fuck off. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, and that's <laughs> true to a certain extent, but you also don't know what's going on. Yeah. I understand. So, but if it's like simply as, Hey man, like you got to wear your shirt, you got to wear a vest on the floor. You got to do this. And like, nah, I yes. ain't doing that. Like you can be mad all you want, but these are the rules set in place, yeah. whether you like them or not, like company yeah. rules, you need, this is how we have to follow this. And well, if you it, don't want to follow company rules and the company don't have to pay your ass either. So goodbye. Well, and that's, and that's the thing. Like there are some rules that aren't even company rules. They're, they're law. <laughs> that too. <laughs> I mean, this is no, no, see, this is all of man. You must wear yeah, safety. Yeah. I wear when you are cutting wood and metal, like you exactly. should do that. That's so you don't blow scary. your eyes out. I mean, I wear glasses. This doesn't count. But well, you get the, you could get the safety shields. I can get the, they I count. Can get the sides, yeah, but they yeah. don't count right now. But you don't really need. But them. no, that's that's the whole thing. Um, and that's I think that's probably a good example of one of the hardest things about being promoted from within is you know you go from like I started this job as um, a driver. I mean, that's that's where I started, and it's weird to think about you know where we started with you know a dozen people. Um this this program for the company that we work for and now we're we're looking at up, upwards of 100 to 100, 100 to 120 um nationwide and it's mm. you know it it it's awesome to think about being a part of the beginning of that it really is but also at the same time it blows your damn mind that it's gotten to that point well i still remember when you were telling me about this you when you yeah. were, you know when you were talking to me about it and i even had my doubts at first when you first started cuz i was like it seems kind of like not sketch, but I've seen this before yes. and everybody promises a bunch of stuff and you're just kind of like, 
I don't know. Like, I guess I'll try it. And I was, I'm, I'm not even gonna lie. I was fully waiting for like six weeks for you to be like, yeah, this is not going to work for me. Like things aren't working where they thought they were, but to see and I that, love it. like, yeah. And to see that you like watching, like you go from driver to lead to where, you know, whatever it was after lead to where you're at now, like doing those steps within, I mean, cause you've been with the company for what, three years now? Two. Two years? <laughs> two years. November. No, we're November coming 16th. on three. No. November 16th was two years. I could have sworn we've been coming up on three. Mm -mm. You've only been with the company for a year? Yeah, we only – two years. Yeah. Two years. I mean, it's November 16th. Ten days from now, it'll be – Two years, Yeah, we're recording on the 16th. But, yeah, it'll be two years on the 16th. So you've risen risen the ladder within two years, essentially. Yeah, I've gone from driver to to my my official title is – Yeah. Uh, service operations manager of the West Coast. Yeah. And so. it's funny to see how the company itself has grown like that, where it's, you know, from the West Coast to the East Coast. And when guys ask me like, hey, is there like movement in this in this company? Can you move oh, up? I, I tell them about you, like how you started as a driver. You went as a lead. And I was like, now he's sitting in an office, you know, overseeing uh, hundreds of things at one time. So, I mean, like, yeah, there is growth, you know, and I think that's one of the things that we don't really talk about too often is when you're in those positions of like leadership and authority and you have to oversee, uh, you know, people and X amount of things and, and stuff like that. We never really talk about that, which then compiles onto everyday life. You know, and yes. uh, Chris brought up uh, a really cool post in the dad's group, actually. Um, and he basically I'm not going to read I'm not going to read the whole thing, but um, he basically was talking about how lately he's been worrying about a lot of stuff and stuff that he can control. There's stuff that he can't control. And as we know, Chris is a teacher, so he mm-hmm. oversees you know the education of these young kids. And then he's also having to worry about whatever is at home and worrying about his daughter and worrying about his wife and worrying about, you know, family yeah. and we're kind of, you know, we're, we're, it's the same way when we do this stuff, you know, even um, when I was working at the asphalt company, like the oil depot, it was kind of everything that I did. I had to take account for because it's like, if I were to do this and I got hurt, I would be screwed right now. Nine yeah. out of 10 times I did it anyway, because I'm just an idiot and that's who I am. And I like to just get jobs done. But um, when you sit at a desk and you are managing people, it puts a little more pressure on, on you and adds a little bit more to your plate. Yeah. Well, and I, and I agree with that. And it almost adds, you know, how they, how they say, you know, you got to check your shit at the door when you go into mm-hmm. work. And to, an, to a certain extent you do. Um, it's hard to, with as much, with as much time as you spend at work, or, or at least that I spend at work. But, um, but at the same time, you, when you go from managing tasks to managing people, it's a different mentality. It mm-hmm. really like you. It was a shift. The first few weeks of, of this promotion, like I was, I even told my boss, "I'm like, I'm treading water right now. That's all I'm. That's all I'm doing, because I needed to get into that mental space that I am no longer just managing these tasks, which is kind of what what the lead does. You manage people, but I'm I'm mostly managing people now rather than tasks, and with that comes and it. I, once I realized this, and honestly, it was like a week and a half ago that I realized this. But once I realized that, um, yes, you manage people, but you can't think of them as family. 
Yeah. You can't think of them as friends. You have to think of them as employees. Otherwise, you're justice. And you're also going to make your job even harder. Yeah. And, you know, that's it was like I had an employee that, that you know, wanted a promotion. And, and I told him, you know, I told him that he wasn't going to get promoted any, anytime soon uh, because he needed to work on A, B, and C. And then a couple of days later, he was obviously still feeling a little prickly about that. And he, you know, he said, I, I feel like I'm getting a little bit shut out, a little bit of a cold shoulder. And I was like, and as as shitty as it sounds on its face, please understand, I mean, this is the type of person that he is. I can lay it out like just factually and he'll get it. I just told him, I said, no, I mean, it, for me, me to shut you out, that would mean I would have to be emotionally invested for, and with all due respect, I'm not. Yeah, I can't be. Yeah, and and that's and that's I think the hardest part for me because I was always I've always been an emotionally uh, charged individual, and so me for me to realize a week and a half ago that these, um, to being emotionally charged with my employees is a bad idea, um, my job's kind of got a little easier, honestly. Yeah, because I mean I still I still love you, but I mean this. Well, of course. It's <laughs> I'm also not. I'm also not anywhere near not you at all. So it's not. It's a little bit. You know, it's a little bit different too. But, um, but I. I think there goes something to say about that because you're honest with them and you tell you know you're telling somebody like, hey, here's the here are the things that you need to do if you really want to ro- like run the ladder. Like you need to be a little more attentive about your number. You got to be a little more you know on time with your stuff. You need to be a little more on top of these things, and. I don't think even regardless of the relationship between, you know, a a management role in their, you know, employee role or whatever, I don't know if the the relationship matters because if somebody's taking the time to tell you, hey, these are the things that we need to see from you for you to grow. I wouldn't take that for granted because they're literally telling you, hey, if you work on these things, you will move up. Like if I didn't want to move up, I wouldn't tell you what to do. Like I I would just tell you no be like hey man like it's just not gonna work out sorry you know and there's a difference between uh between that and i used to say the same thing all the time when i was coaching and i and i told these guys i said uh the day that a coach stops getting on you about things is the day that he stops caring about how you uh, about your you succeeding in the game yeah and in life like the same way with your parents same way with teachers you know and and it comes off a little bit sometimes from people you know parents and stuff like it comes off a little differently but like if they if they generally care about you succeeding in life they're going to stay on you to make sure that you do these things because they see potential out of you Exactly. And honestly, and that's, and that's something that's, you know, I've noticed this as the generations, or maybe not generations, but as you know, the, the people that have worked for me have gotten younger, um, they, they, they take it a little more personally when, mm-hmm. when you look at them and say, and I'm not saying that that's generational, maybe it is, but, um, and, and honestly, I was a little more sensitive when I was younger. So maybe it's just the age, an age thing, but you know, it, it's, it's a, when you stop looking at, at it as a balancing act and you look at it as this is just facts and here you go, it's, it, it is a little easier. And, you know, you get a little, little more reaction from some of the younger ones of, of, Hey, you know, are, are we okay? Well, yeah, we're, we're f- obviously we're fine. I just gave you pointers on how to move forward. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you're right. And I, I think the examples that you gave us, you know, like coaching, and um coaching (laughs) 
Penny might be making an appearance here shortly. Um, But, you know, when it comes to coaching and teaching and, and, you know, your own children and stuff like that, you're emotionally invested in it. I mean, there is something to be said about being in a a management role in a a corporation and not being emotionally emotionally, uh, invested in your employees. I mean, yeah, there needs to be there needs to be a little bit. I truly believe that in order to really understand what your employees needs are, you have to have some some sort of little give and take. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but but when it comes down to it, as you go, uh, I, this is, I've noticed this in this company mainly, is as you go up, you have to remove yourself a little bit more because I mean honestly, I couldn't take on the challenges of trying to help my employees' uh, lives get just flat out get just get better, and yeah. you know I, I I will do what I can, I will I, I will give you tasks to to make you shine, but. At the same time, it's. <laughs> oh, hi, Penny. Hold on. Hi there. Oh, man. Can you say hi, Uncle Dan? Hi, Dan. Hi, Penny. I like your hat. Well, come here, baby. You I, saw, I saw the little ears hi. sticking out from the corner of the screen, and I was like, oh, that's good. <laughs> that's your what? That's her Everest hat. She was Everest, Everest for hat. Halloween. Yeah. Oh. She was Everest from Paw Patrol. She she absolutely loved Paw Patrol. Oh. oh, damn. We didn't even talk about that, how Halloween was. Oh, no. No, no. We'll, we'll definitely get into that. We'll get we into that. We kind of went straight into that. In, I in know. The, we'll get into, into it. Uh-oh. 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 <laughs> it's, never, it's never like... Uh, I don't think it's a true episode until Penny somehow makes some sort of appearance, you know? Well, and it's funny. I told her she asked me what I was doing when I was getting everything together to to, to record, and and she said, "What are you doing?" And I said, "Well, I'm I'm uh, I've got to record my podcast." She said, "Oh, you're going to be talking to Uncle Dan." Yep. So, yeah. No. Um, yeah, and I know you let the cat out here, and she's going to be yelling. <laughs> let, let her out. Oh, and then I heard, she's leaning, I heard the cat first. She, she's leaning into the mic now. Um, oh. Bring the cat inside, baby. Some okay. cat a- ASMR, asthma. Uh, yeah, Some cat asthma, cat asthma, asthma. Uh, no, it's it's been storming over here actually. So oh, has it? Uh, we got a little bit. So of yeah, so she hasn't been able to go out as as oh, much man. as she likes, and uh, and I'm talking about the cat, not Penny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I figured. <laughs> yeah um, I figured you just all right. Time to go outside, Penny. Yeah, yeah, go do yeah. your thing. Go to the bathroom. So, oh, um. We're yeah. uh, so. Are you doing anything for work for uh, for Thanksgiving? Um, we were talking about something, um, but I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't really know if we were talking about doing something, but I, I don't know if they really want to or not. I'll ask. I'll ask my guys if they really want to. Why would you? Are you doing stuff? Yeah, we have a catered Thanksgiving lunch. Wow. That's wow. You can't send any of my way, huh? Well, I mean, we're we're trying. Oh, are you are you? I think I think she thinks this is a normal phone call. All of a sudden, this is. Oh <laughs> no! She wants to, she wants to, her new kitty, which is right oh. there. Oh, that's cute, kitty. Looks right, a little stiff. Thank you. Kitty cat looks a little stiff. <laughs> yeah, little little yeah, little little. No. Well, yeah. No. No. Okay. No, I don't. I don't know. Oh shit! I don't know if we're actually doing anything. Um, we had talked about doing like we had talked about like doing breakfast, but I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, shit. I mean, yeah. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just thought about you it. You got me on food, man. So, you know, food. Hey, you know, we, yeah, we can't we we can't talk about food because well. But so I know you over the last to kind of like re re wrangle yeah. this lost cat here. Um, to the last few weeks, you you talked about how you guys you at home were reeling a little bit financially. Um, yeah. Does does that stuff at home for you? Does that does that bother you while you're at work? Like, are you thinking about that while you're at work? Yes. All now, does it does it mess up your work? Has it no. bled into your work? No, it hasn't. I mean, it. it I think about it quite a bit. Um, but once I get onto a task, uh, there's not much. There's not much much room. Yeah. Um, for, for I mean, like we're the the our client um, wants us to clear out a hundred thousand square foot warehouse, so I've got that you know that project that I have to uh, that I have to figure out. Um, so I mean, there, there there's a there's a lot of stuff to do at work, and and I mean yeah. that's just kind of an example of you know when I'm when I'm sitting here on a task when I'm trying to get all this done. Um, no, I don't have a lot of space for that, but I'm telling you, you know, even even those you know, two, three minute interludes to where I, I don't have, you know, I'm moving from one task to another, or I actually get off, get up from my desk and, and take a walk because my blood flow is red <laughs> in my ass. Um, but you know, it, it, it immediately goes in because that's my main concern. I mean, it's uh, Christmas is coming and that's, you know, that that's one of those hard things when you're financially strapped at the end of the year. Um, then, you know, I've I, I got to say the 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 increase in the, uh, I want to say we've we've started uh, I, the increase in groceries has gone up about one hundred and five percent I feel like here um, up at on home. Are you talking about just in general? At, at least at home. I mm. mean, it's been it's been yeah they they're starting to eat a little bit more, but also you well, know yeah. just just the price in general. Um, yeah, that's and, and I think and all these things add to it. And then you know you've got late notices from credit cards and you've got late notices from insurance companies and stuff like that that you that you're constantly contending with. And you know it, it it's not necessarily that I keep reminding myself. It's it's also the emails and the notifications and stuff that come in that are like, oh yeah, by the way, you're behind on this bill too. And it's not an easy thing to swallow. It's not, I especially think- when you work as many hours as I do. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's one of the things that w- it is one of the things that we've never really talked about was the impact of like inflation on everything. And I mean, we don't really talk about finances talk and stuff like that too often. And we don't and we don't talk politics, but I think regardless of where you sit on the table, it I think it has impacted everyone in some form or manner. You know, oh, absolutely, and, yeah. and when you when you have to kind of start thinking about the differences of wanting to be at home with your family, doing your normal job. And then you start thinking about if I do 
X amount of additional hours, it can equate this money that we may need at the end of the week. So then you start doing the overtime because you need it. Right. But then everybody knows when you do that stuff, there's always a sacrifice you take. It's if you're doing overtime, you're losing less time at home. If you're spending more, you know, if you want to go home, you're not going to make the extra money that you, that we need sometimes. And I think that's hard. I think that's hard on everybody, regardless of, what you do for work and you know where you sit politically but i mean like even for instance down here um within a let's say it's like a it's like 46 miles from my house to where work is okay so i'm driving 80 hours or 80 uh, 80 miles round trip every day and yeah. the gas prices alone between for where i am and to where work is is a good hmm Four or five. It's it's a good like sixty cents difference. Sure. Oh yeah. And and I mean I could fill my truck up up there for eighty dollars, or I could try to make it home and fill my truck up for you know sixty eight, sixty nine, seventy dollars. Like it's mm-hmm. it's you know it's a difference yeah, in price per gallon, and it's hard to 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 do sometimes when you especially when you have bills and groceries and God knows everything else. You look at that and you go, holy shit, I just spent almost a hundred dollars in gas. Yeah. And then, you know, wait until you, and then, you know, you can, (laughs) Dan, you can work overtime. My, my promotion moved me into a salary position to where it doesn't matter how many hours I work, I get paid the same amount of money. So that overtime went away and nobody ever really talks about that either. I mean, you see it in like sitcoms and stuff, TV, that you know, hey, I'm looking to promote, and and you know, I moved into a salary position, so that overtime um, opportunity, because I was putting in overtime every week, not much, but I was putting overtime every week, and especially when you kind of move, at least for me, when I moved into a salary position, there wasn't really any negotiation. They were like, okay, this is your position, this is where we start everybody, and the corporation is what what decided. There was no negotiation. Um, as much as I, I, I wish there was. And, and, you know, that's probably one drawback to, to being moved into this position. Um, but it's also, it's easier to budget. But when you got behind, <laughs> when you could work overtime, and then you move into a position where there is no such thing as overtime, um, I, there were a number of, of pay periods where I made more than I make now um, on a paycheck because I put in that kind of overtime because I put in those hours. Oh yeah. I don't have, I don't have that option anymore. So it's it's one of those things. I'm a firm believer that at the end of the year, like at the end of the day, uh, hourly employees could easily make more than some salaried positions. Like if you, yeah, if If the overtime is available. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the, uh, big things from when I was working at the oil depot talking about like money and stuff like that, when they were trying to hit me with these low offers be- to run the, the facility, you know, and I broke it down to them. I said, listen, I said, well, this is what I made for a year last year. And I said, I'm going to, I make less, I'm going to make less than that. If I take this position, I said, how does mm-hmm. that make sense to you? You know, and I don't worry about it as much now with, with money. Cause I mean, like this is the most money that I made at a job ever. And I'm, and I'm, like I'm happy. Like that was one of the things that got me to come work for this company. And, you know, my wife makes very good money with what she does. And that actually that we might want you to talk about that too, because that's actually going to change here shortly, which is going to bring in some worrying on my end. But, uh, um, 
it it has never been a thing now where I'm necessarily worrying about our finances because again, I've always talked about where my wife has done a very good job at this since the start to kind of work on a budget where we've paid things off and we stick to a plan. Right. And I don't ask questions. Sure. I just, I just let her do it. Right. Cause it works. Smart I don't man. even look at it. Yeah. Like I don't even want to look at it. I don't even look at our bank account. I just go, Hey, do we have money for this? She'll say yes or no. She's said, no, but like, all right. And then if she said yes, I go, okay, great. Like I'm not even looking at it because then I'm not tempted to do anything dumb. Right. Yeah. But, um, I think one of those things where the, the reason why I asked you about, it, does it bleed into your work sometimes is because the, there's, I think two kinds of people where you can turn that off at work. People use work as a distraction, right? Oh, absolutely. And then you don't think about it again until you clock out. And that's why sometimes people put in 15, 16, 17 hour days sometimes. One, yeah. because it's the money. Two, because then if they never leave, they don't have to think about it. Um, and then the other part is there's people where it doesn't necessarily go from work to home. It goes from home to work. And mm -hmm. it's hard for you to... Uh, do what you need to do at your job when you're thinking about everything at home. And it's hard for people to work on that. And so you can see that. Like when you look at somebody, especially and you work or uh, friends, you can hear in their voice sometimes, right? Uh, when you see that, I think you react a little bit differently as you would if you were just bullshitting with them like you were talking about before. When you're in that level, you have to have that fine line. But when you see that, I, I think... I think it's almost an instinct for you to kind of be like, oh, I've seen this before. Hey, you doing all right? Yeah. And I and and I definitely and I mean, don't I know I bring up some of the negative at work. I, there's not a lot. Yeah. Um, my my people definitely know what the hell they're doing. But um, but at the same time, yeah, it, it, it's true. It is. It's you know, you don't you the, the problem with not bringing financial shit into work is that work is what takes care of the financial shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, and the last thing you want to do is, is bitch and moan about your money at the place that's paying yeah. you, you know, that's private conversations, but exactly. like, what about like with, when you were a chef, I mean, some oh, home God. life probably bled into when you were working what and that's life? hard and that's hard. What home life? There was no home life when I was a chef. I was putting in on average the entire time I was a chef, I would say weekly, I put in 60 hours a week on average. But that and didn't bother is, you at work? Uh, uh, yeah, wore my ass out. Um, yeah. But I mean, but not, not having the home life, didn't that bother you at work? Did you think about it while you were at work? I did. I mean, the last thing we need to know is for you to be slicing up onions and then somebody's thumb is mixed in with the with the pot roast because you're over here trying to prep for meals and you're thinking about whatever's going on at home. And that's that's true. I mean, I'm sure it was a, I'm sure it was a lot the same way as as the oil depot and and the asshole yeah. job was. You know that those were dangerous jobs. Job. You had to be focused. Yeah, yeah, and um, I think that's one of those. Oh, I'm that's sorry, why asphalt, I, not asshole. Oh, that's asshole, funny. no, no, that, that was good. I like that though. That was funny. Yeah, there's, there's, um, but that's the reason why I asked that because those. Those jobs, I'm not saying what we do and what you do is, is less demanding, but it's a little more. It's um, different. It's a little more mentally. It's more mentally exhausting than it was yes. with the other stuff because it wasn't only yeah. mentally, but it was also physically and emotionally 
exhausting to do some of that stuff. And that's why I asked that question, because did you ever find a time when, as a chef, even when you were sitting there and you were just like, you know, fuck it, I need to take a break. And you walked away, not because of the work, but because of things that were bleeding over personal life was bleeding over into work. And it became a point where it was just not manageable anymore. I, I never hit, I did not hit that until I had the, I, until I had the breakdown. Mm. And that, I think that's probably one of the reasons that I had the back, breakdown. I mean, yeah, I had, uh, you know, it was, it was a factor in, in my, in my divorce. Uh, you know, the fact that I was never home. Uh, my ex-wife was a teacher at the time and I was a chef. So, you know, we worked opposite shifts, but we didn't have any kids, anything like that. So, I mean, it was, it wasn't that big of a deal, but at the same time, it, it wasn't that big of a deal, so which caused problems, you know. And it wasn't that big of a. It take. I freely admit it takes two. I've I've mm-hmm. admitted this, you know, throughout this the, the whole time we've been doing this podcast. But my but my divorce was, you know, it took two to get there, and it wasn't all my fault. It wasn't all her fault. But at the same time, yeah, it was. I was like, oh no, I could work, you know, seventy hours this week and eighty hours next week and sixty hours the week after that. And, you know, and never spend any time at home and everything was fine. And it wasn't. I mean, that's, okay. Go ahead. It, it, but it also at the same time, you know, the worse it got at home, the more hours I put in. Because it worked. It, yeah. yeah. And because I could just stay, I could stay at work. And, I, and, and also not to put too much, too fine of a point on it at work. I was, I was receiving value. Um, there was there was a value to my work. There was you know not necessarily dollar sign, but the, you know it was appreciated what I did. It was at home. I'll be the first to admit my ex wife didn't appreciate me for shit. Um, well, here's the other part too: is that at work you were in control of you were in control of the situation at hand. Yes. Then that 100%. that's the that's the hard part. And and let me ask you this: the 60, 70, 80 hours of work that you put in, if you didn't put in the 60, 70, 80 hours at work. Were you guys going to be good financially at home? No. Yeah. See, and that's the part. That's that balance. I think that when we talked about this a little bit on the last episode with like with the relationships and stuff, and we brought brought up, you know, like the blue collar workers and stuff who have mm-hmm. to work, who work hours like that. That's that fine line between I know you want me to be home and things aren't great and we're unhappy. But if I don't work these hours, we don't have a home. We don't have food and our bills are going into collections. Well, and honestly, I think I'm going to find that video on, off, off of the Tiki Talk um, that of the guy. It's it's almost like a sermon he's giving. And he said, you know, ladies, if your man is at work, um, you want him at home. But when he's at home, he, the money isn't there. So you want him right. at work. Um, and then, and it becomes a really vicious cycle at that point because, and this is where the cost of living comes in. And there's a lot of, a lot, there's a lot of different factors. I mean, you and I are basically just scraping the surface at, at this, but you know, it's a, it's a very important part of the service. Cause once you break through the service, everything else is open and raw. Um, but that's the whole thing is, is, you know, we, we're pre-programmed. We are. We've said it before. This is what we do. We take care of our families. That's how I was raised. And that's how, you know, the vast majority. And honestly, I'm not ashamed to say it. That's how I'm raising my son. You know, you, you take care of shit and you take care of your family and your family is always number one and all that stuff. And I can say that now, but my family wasn't always number one. I worked those hours to escape 
Sure. Um, I worked those hours because we needed the money. Absolutely. I worked those hours because I just wanted to be at work. Sure. Absolutely. But the fact of the matter is, 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 you know, there's balance. I mean, we're talking about balance here in, in, when it comes down to it. And balance is probably one of the hardest things to have in your life. Yeah. And what about you? I mean, you, you have, you, I mean, you've had pretty consistent hours over the years, over the, you know, it's probably been the as, most consistent now than it ever has it, been, has you know? Yeah. I mean, I, mean, they, I remember you, I remember when you were working at the oil depot and you were, I mean, it was kind of the same hours. Well, that was a little bit different because when I got into that management management role and the discussion about money and things like that weren't really happening, I decided I was going to do certain things a certain way. And if they and this might not be the right approach to do it, but understand that, you know, I was there for five and a half years. And at some point you have to do things differently if you want to get your point across to people. Right. So it became a point where um I stopped doing some extra stuff because I was doing it. I was doing it the whole time without being compensated for it. I got to the point where I was not going to do it anymore. So those days of wanting me to stay until five, six o'clock at night, you know, waiting on one guy to come to the depot to offload, not doing it anymore. Like you, you're not going to, you're not going to pay me to do that stuff. Then I'm not going to give you that stuff back because I've been doing it for five years I feel like at this point we should be way ahead of where we were. So I started making calls for myself where I was like, Hey, you know, my shift ends at two o'clock. I'm clocking out at two o'clock and I'm going home. Like I'm not, I'm not doing that. And and I feel like that's the most important phrase. You started making decisions for yourself. Yeah. And, And I'm not talking about, you know, you made the decision. I'm talking about you made the decision to effectually help yourself. Um, I, I and I've always wondered this, you know, because I know the hours that you worked were long and hard at uh at at the depot, and you were working there when you met your wife, correct? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, how Actually, did she handle I, that? Uh, the long hours. Yeah. Um, it was a little bit different because uh, she at the job at her time, um, she was working nights. And then she would have like a couple of days off and then she'd work days. So like the schedule was kind of flip flopped. So it, it sucked sometimes because um, I'd get off work and go straight to her house and I'd probably see her for like an hour and then she'd go to work. And, you know, it, it was rough, but we I mean, we made it work and it, it kind of worked to a fact where. We were, I think it helped us a lot because we we're able to plan things in advance and then we were Way more communicative. By we, you mean her? We, I plan <laughs> things too. No, we were we we were we talked about things a lot, and it made things okay. very easy at that time. But when she left that job and got her new job, and she started working, uh, she worked a little bit with um, uh, with Red Cross. Um, she was on call all the time, and that was a little bit difficult because there were times where she might leave at like two o'clock in the morning or she might leave at 12 o'clock in the morning. Cause she got a phone call and has to go to an emergency. Right. Yeah. And that was rough. Right. But we didn't have kids at the time. We, we only had the dogs and that was a little bit different. So there was a time I remember where I got up, she got up early and I was not up yet. And I got up, went to work, came home. I did not see her again until it was nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. And that was, that was different for me. It was rough. And, and that was after we were married and 
those first few months, you know, when you're married, things are a little bit different because you're kind of riding that high, you're riding that high off of, off of the wedding day. And you, that kind of made me realize like one, you, you, you think about like what you're missing when you're not, when you don't have it. Right. But it made me think about like, you know, if we move on and we have kids, there's no way that we could do this. Right. Like we couldn't have this schedule. You can't can't do this. Yeah. So she was able to get the job where she's at now. And when she had that job, it started, life started bouncing back out. And the one thing that I will give credit for the depot was my manager at the time was very uh, supportive of what we were going through with starting a family. And it was basically, if I needed a day to do something, he gave it to me. Didn't no questions asked. Right. But when she was, when she was, you know, when we were going through that and I'm working long days, working long hours and we're battling through, you know, the, uh, infertility and stuff like that. It, it was rough because it was hard for me to focus at work sometimes with that going on. I mean, like during the day I was there, I was focused, but like when things slowed down, I kind of clocked out a little bit mentally and that's what it starts to creep in. Yeah. And then you start thinking about like, like I really just want to be home because of everything that's going on. Like there's a lot of emotions attached to that and you just, you want to be home with your person, be to be there with them. And the hours, the hours were okay. Um, the money was okay, but I mean, like we're talking about, we're talking about working like 55 hours a week for like peanuts and it just wasn't making the money for it. And it just became to the point where it just wasn't worth the, that wasn't worth the mental strain. It wasn't worth the physical strain anymore. It wasn't worth all that shit. And I rather would have been home than been at work. And I mean that yep. was I got up in the mornings and I didn't want to go. Like I was finding excuses to not go to work. I mean, I still went to work, but I was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And waking up that early and driving in and doing that kind of labor and stuff like that was taxing mentally and physically. But she was always supportive and we've always looked at, we, we always looked at ways to try to get me out of there before, you know, this job came. And I think what was the, like the breaking the straw and the camel's back was when I worked at the asphalt plant and there, she started to realize those hours were not steady hours. It was work at five in the morning, leave at eight o'clock at night leave at 11 o'clock at night, stuff like that. That's the part that I had a hard time with. And I, I remember texting you one night where I was like, I'm actually going to miss, uh, bedtime for the first time ever. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not okay with that. No, I was not okay with that. And I get it happens. People do it all the time. You know, somebody out there is going to hear and go, ah, suck it up. You got to do it for your family. But I was like, you got to understand the things that we went through to have a family. And that's yes. why, and that's why it was upsetting because there's certain things that just don't want to take for granted. Right. Exactly. No. And, and, you know, I, obviously I, I didn't go through the same, same, uh, circumstances as you to have a child, but you also have to understand my child is four years old now. Uh, she just recently had a birthday. Happy birthday, Penny. Um, Happy birthday, but, Penny. But no, she's four years old. I'm, I'm 41. So at 37 years old, I had my first child. And keep in mind, mentally, I was fully prepared not to have children for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I wasn't accepting of it, but I was like, well, I mean, since my divorce, I was like, well, I guess I'm never going to have kids um, because it's going to take me a while to trust somebody enough to, to really have kids. And I don't want to be, you know, 70 years old when my kid graduates. 
Um, so, and I'm and I'm not going to be. I'm going to be, you know, fifty some odd years old. Um, <laughs> when my when my fifty five years old when my when my kid graduates, but I didn't want to be that old man with a with a with a with a small child that can't honestly that can't keep up with with my child and can't play and can't I'll do all that stuff. I didn't want to be that guy. And then you know this glorious thing happened. And now, you know, I'm married to, you know, the, the most wonderful woman in the world. I have two of the most beautiful children on the planet. And I, I kind of get it. I do. I, I, you know, I've, I've worked those hours. I've worked those hours until 11, 12 o'clock at night. You know, I've worked those hours to where I'm, I'm off at, you know, two, three, four o'clock. And, you know, you, and, and I've also worked those hours to where I've missed things. You know, like I've, I've said on, on the podcast, you know, for the first six months, I, I got to see my my child on the weekends and mm-hmm. and I worked and I worked on weekends at that point mm-hmm. in time. So I'd wake up and I'd see my child, my my little baby, uh, for a brief period of time. I have to go go to work. And then the, half the time she'd be asleep by the time I'd get home, and it was tough. It was one of the hardest things that I had to deal with. But not, not and so I kind of understand because although it may not be the same situation, it can be the same outcome the same feeling yeah because because yeah. i'm a little older and i wasn't expecting to have kids and then i have this beautiful little girl that all i want to do is spend time with and then her and yeah. her mom all i yeah. want to do is spend time with them and, and and all that stuff and yeah you you start making excuses i don't want to go into work yeah and it's not like i'm not trying to like gatekeep the situation like just because we were struggling it doesn't you know everybody should be, though. everybody but everybody should be, have everybody should feel like that about your family if you don't feel like Absolutely. that about your yeah. family you probably shouldn't have a family Which, and i'm by not the way, being an uh, ass about I, it i'd like to take this opportunity to say that i saw that i don't know that that plug for the clinic that you guys use oh shady grove yes yeah i did mean you, you guys did you, you read guys, the article I, I haven't I haven't read the whole thing. I've read I've read it's, part of it because I ran to, ran into it at work, but it just reminded me uh, talking about this. She wrote that. She wrote she wrote the uh, the write up for the your wife wrote that and they posted it. Yeah, no. If shit. you if you go on their website, if you go to Shady Grove um, Shady Grove Fertility website, they have uh, testimonials from people that went through everything. Um, and she sent that, that story into them and it, it's beautifully written and she shared oh, it with what me. I read. It was gorgeous. Yeah. And she shared it with me when I was at work and I, it, it fucked my ass up and luckily <laughs> nobody was, nobody was in the warehouse at the time because they were out on the road. So it royally fucked me up, but, um, yeah, it was very beautifully written and it just kind of makes you think about things. You know, it, it, if anybody cares to read it, you know, you can, if you don't, I, I mean, don't and, and congratulations on on them posting that and then accepting you. that and posting that that is i mean and, and but people need to hear these things they do yeah. And, yeah and and i do believe i do believe stuff like that and and may, you know it gives people hope then yeah. and i i feel like i feel like if you can give one person hope just like just like we've said about this podcast if we can help one person um but you know if it gives one person hope to to be able to do that i feel like that's that's worth putting and that's not something easy that you guys can put out just put out there that's yeah. not, that's a that is a deep part of your guys's lives but we have always been wanting to share those experiences with people because somebody else might be going through it and 
it turns out that, you know, two of some of our closest friends had actually been, they were going through the same stuff that we were going through. And, uh, you know, some are, and some still are, and it's hard, you know, and, um, she had somebody reach out to her from work, call her and ask and talk about that article because they were going through the same thing. And you don't really realize how many people are going through it in, until you go through it yourself. Mm-hmm. And I never realized that that was such a big thing. Like that was such an issue in today's society of people having a problem with starting a family like that. You know, you hear about it, but you don't know, you know, and, um, you know, it, you're, I want to kind of backtrack a little bit. You were asking me about, about well, no, 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 you're fine. Is, is you were asking me about work and stuff like that. And a lot of people, especially with the asphalt company, a lot of people were, you know, Oh, I would just quit. And I'm like, yeah, I was kind of at that point where I wanted to go, but here's the difference though, is that people, I feel like the people that put up with that stuff is because they have, there's a reason why they don't just walk away. And it's Mm -hmm. always, Oh, they, it's, they need me to, they need me for this or, you know, I need to do this for them. But I think we're mentally where it really changes when you kind of, um, I think where you kind of realize where your priorities are different is when you stop saying I'm, I'm doing this because they need me to, it's be, I'm doing it because, um, sorry, I'm getting a little, we a little, uh, I'm getting a little choked up. Um, I'm doing it because of them as opposed to I'm doing it because they need me to do it. I'm doing it because of them. Right. And yeah. you, people can need you to do stuff all the time. It doesn't mean you really want to do it. Right. I mean, we, you have somebody relying well, on you all the time, but when you are willing to put up with that shit because of what you have at home, you know, because of them, it's yeah. a little bit different, I think. Well, and, and I feel like when you want to do it yeah. for them, not not you have to do it right. for this, right. but you want to do it because yeah. this, because for for them. I mean, that's that, that, that goes back into, I feel like, the pre-programming with us as men is we that's, – that's what we do. We, we want to do it for them because that gives us purpose. And we, as men, we have to have purpose. We right. have to have direction. And if we don't, I mean, I can, I can, I would need to take my shoes and socks off to count how many people, how many men I know personally that still don't have their shit together. And that's because they don't have a purpose. Right. They don't have a direction they're going. And I was there. I've been there. I've done that. But when you, and I believe that's, that's really the difference is when you could look at something and say, you know, it's not that I, I have to do this for them. It's I want to do this for them. Right. I want I want this to be done for their safety or for their health or for you know you you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and that's why like I I you know when at the oil depot and at the asphalt company I was putting up with that it was I stopped saying I'm doing it you know because they need me to do or I'm doing it you know because I have to for them I do I started saying I'm doing it because of them because of, you know, the sacrifice that, you know, my wife made, you know, over and over and over again, the things that she had to go through for us to have this kid, right. To have, to have our daughter, to have our daughter and the things that we had to go through together to get to the point where we're at now. And the things that I had to go through 
before I met her to get to where I'm at now. And the things that I had to go through, uh, you know, when my brother died to get to where I'm at now, like I'm not doing it, you know, because they need me to, or they want me to, or, Oh, because they, I'm doing it because of them now. And I think that's the part where, that's the part for me mentally where things have, have really changed. And, you know, you, like you, you know, we say, even in the opening video, we all have those days, we have those bad days. Right. But I think that that drive, that willingness, because of the, because of that, because of what you have at home, in spite of, in, in spite, is, well, not, not in spite of what you have at home, but in spite of the, 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 the hours in spite of the hard work in well, spite of all that stuff we're we're doing this because we want to yeah and and i think what i was what i was going to say was is that um even with those bad days when we do these things because of the people that we have at home the support that we have that's that fine line between being here and not being here well and you bring up I the think, support and i think when you if you when you lose that drive that's when especially with men when you lose that because of and that you know that i i want to do this for them i want to do this because of them when you lose that that's when you start seeing you know especially with men you start seeing them uh falter to the other side and you see them starting to fall into a hole and you see them starting to, because, you know, and we talked about this last week is that, you know, a vast majority of men who are married or anything like that, or, or, uh, have kids, you know, vast majority of men who struggle with, you know, depression and struggle with, you know, suicide and attempts and stuff like that. There's a, there's a big percentage of that. It's, people that were married or divorced or, you know, they have kids or single parents, things like that is a big concept of what goes on with the whole, with men's mental health, because that's where a lot of the issues lie with men is at home. It's not necessarily because my job sucks. It's because the things that I believed in the most are now being broken in the, the sanctuary of my home. You know, of what I called home is no longer home. Well, there's a lot of factors with that is, you know, I mean, when you when you look at it, you know, men, uh, men, men don't generally just go off the deep end. Right. You know, we we don't we we don't take up what is it? Seventy seven percent of all suicides are men. I mean, we don't take up that percentage because, you know, bad shit just happens to us. We take that we take that up that percentage because. I mean, like I said, we have a purpose. We need to have a purpose. And when that purpose gets yanked away from us one way or the other, now now we don't have, like you said, we don't have that because of. Mm-hmm. I do this because of, or I do this uh, for, or, I, you know, they don't have that anymore. So they just don't, They, I mean, that's what, I mean, that's what stops people. It is. It's what stops people from, from you know, getting in too deep into the hole. In too deep into the, into that that oubliette that that you know the the darkness that stares back, yeah. you know that's that's what keeps them is because you know that support or or just the fact that they have they have people that are depending on them, and so you know we we dig a little deeper, we grind a little harder because, and that's not to say that there aren't people that grind for themselves. I'm just saying that you know I do f- firmly believe that when you have that when you have that purpose that 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 grinding you you're willing to go a little higher a little harder and a little farther and and you're willing to dig through the dirt and crawl through the dirt and the mud and the muck 
to get to where you and your people need to be. When you have that taken away from you, that's when that's when that 70 for 7% really kicks in. You know, men lose their jobs and then they lose their wives and they lose their children. Then what do they have left? I mean, yeah. we, we've discussed, we've talked about this before. It would be very interesting to, 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 to not just, I mean, we know the facts, we know the figures that when it comes down to it, men are at greater risk of, of, of severe mental health. I mean, statistically speaking, just the numbers, men are at greater risk of, of severe, severe mental health crises. Um, I'd like to, I'd like to see a list of the outside influences that cause them. Like what are the there, percentages of, of men that, that, you know, they, they've, they've attempted to to end their own lives because they lost their jobs or they lost their wives or something and, happened to their children or I'd like to know those numbers. And there are numbers. And the problem is, is that they're like predated by like two years. You know, there's always a survey and the survey is always like two years old. Or when they do the survey, it's always in the middle of the year. Like they have to wait until the six month period to put these numbers out. And, you know, speaking of numbers, it's funny because when you look at it, it's, it, women have a higher percentage of, of attempts, but men have the higher percentage of successful uh, attempts, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's crazy to think that what is, what is the mindset when you're going through that where one is just the attempt and one is the actual success of following through? Like where, where is that line crossing between the two percentage numbers of men and women? Like what is that deciding factor for most? And what are you going through at that time to make you go through that? And um, you were talking about, you know, there's people that grind for themselves and it made me uh, think about, you ever heard of uh, Jordan Peterson? I love Jordan Peterson. Yeah. So he was on the show and uh, I forgot what the show was called, but the, the guy asked a question, posed a question. It was like something about um, like, it's like, it was like, is God is real? And do you believe in God? And the woman was like, no, plain, simple. Like you don't have to believe in a God or something like that. And Jordan Peterson snapped back and he goes, whether you, and for those of you that don't know, Jordan Peterson is a highly regarded psychologist. Dude, he's awesome. I mean, he's awesome. Extremely intelligent, but he's very much matter of fact. And he's very, and, and, and he's got a lot of accolades. He does as as far as his work. So just so you guys know, this is where, yeah, and he's kind of like snapped back at it, and I'm kind of pre-phrase, pre-phrase in here, and you can paraphrase, prefer- yeah. yeah, paraphrase it, and you can go back and f- actually find it if you just look it up. But um, the whole video itself is great, and the way he describes everything was, it wasn't from a religious standpoint. It was you know talking about how as man, you know, man, humanity has a hierarchy, whether it's God is, is your God or not, there's always something that you value at the top of your hierarchy, which is God to you. So it may not be God mm-hmm. in the religious sense, but it's God to you in your hierarchy. So when you were grinding alone by yourself, you have that hierarchy in, in your life. And there's something that sits at the top that is your God to you. And that is your, you know, that is your, your religion per se. And that is the reason why you drive the way that you do. And that's where, and I think that's, that's where I think a lot of, you know, we tie into this and we talk about the worry and we talk about the grind and we talk about pushing for what we need and what we want because of certain things or because we want this and, and the support when it comes down to it, when you look at it and we talk to, you know, we talk about worrying and stuff like that and the things you can control and the things you can't control when you have the support, 
of whether it's family, relationship, friend, work environment, when you have the support, support will always outweigh worry in any given situation. Like you, you can worry tooth and nail, but when you have the support that is pushing you and is driving you to become better and is driving you and telling you, reinforcing you that, Hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to suck for a little bit, but here's how we're going to get through it. When you have that support to push you, it squashes that worry out of you. I, you know, I, I have to disagree with one. It, I don't think it squashes the worry out of you. I feel like it, it outweighs it. There you, you go. Know, okay, it's, outweighs. It's, 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 it's almost like, it's almost like a scales, you know, you, you, you feed what side of that scale you feed is the side that's going to, that, that's going to outweigh the other. And um, Jordan Peterson, honestly, I'm glad you brought him up because honestly, as a psychologist, the, the man is, a dude, he's awesome. He really is. Um, now awesome. he he does have uh, for the, just for anybody that does know who he is or has heard of him, especially recently, he's been in the news and not in a, not a necessarily a positive way. Um, he didn't really do anything wrong. It's just people tend to misjudge him. Um, yeah, and people are accusing and he's very, stuff that didn't happen. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Which you know that that happens when you reach celebrity status. Oh, yeah. uh, we are not. I just want to be clear here. We are not talking about. Uh, whether we agree or disagree with anything that has been that has been brought up about him, but I will tell you flat out that I, I on on a personal level, I think he's got a lot of great points, and you know he's very much. I, I remember seeing an interview with him where they said, you know, how do you how do you? Uh, which I wanted to bring this up because I just learned what this was. Do you know what incel is? No. Okay. From what I understand, it's. Um, it's, it's almost like, uh, now I could be wrong. Somebody, somebody may, may, uh, actually I see I have the, the definition light on your computer. Please. Yeah. Do you want me to do the definition? <laughs> Please, I would love it. Uh, incel, a member of an online community of young men who consider themselves unable to attract women sexually, typically associated with views that are hostile towards women and men who are sexually active. Yes. Is that, so, is that what you meant? Okay. Yes. So I, I was, was I was it. questioning, I was, I was questioning where we were going no, there for a second. So, and you no, didn't stop no. me. So I just kept going. <laughs> no, go. Um, so it is. And which by the way, I just, I completely disagree with that. I mean, because it's mostly referred to as, as far as men, um, men go, but he was recently accused of being a kind of a loudspeaker and, 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 and stuff like that. And, and, a. uh, a defender of the incel and they they're using the incels the the word incel is is more of a, a as far as you know these 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 incels are you know they're not good people or you know whatever um and he he said you, you know somebody asked him how how do you how does it make you feel when they say you know you're kind of a, a warrior for the incel population and and he said well i mean shouldn't they have a voice too isn't I mean what's wrong with that and and people and and, th and that's the whole thing that's I that's one of the reasons I like him but that's that that's kind of where I was going to go with it I, I'm glad that you brought up Jordan Peterson because it did remind remind me that I wanted to bring that up during this episode is you know the the, the phrase incel basically it's you know it, you're the unintentional uh, unintentionally celibate the people that that believe that um, and we 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 know one re recently that you know he feels. He, that's how he feels about himself. That is a learned attitude about yourself. That is not that is not something that people walk into life as yeah. as a self opinion, and that is wrong. 
I will stand on my soapbox right now and tell you that is a wrong attitude to have. And that is a learned attitude to have. And it's because, you know, I can speak from personal experience that is that is because people looked at you, you know, at, you know, at a high school dance and, and, you know, you asked the hot girl to dance and she said no. And you actually had, you know, you were strong enough for that half a second to be like, well, why not? And she says, well, because you're ugly. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, you get that your entire childhood and your entire early adult life. And, you know, you're single for years because you just, you don't attract people because, you know, maybe you have a scar on your face or maybe you can't grow facial hair like, you know, the big glorious beard that Dan has (laughs) or, 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 you know, you're a little heftier or you're a little too skinny or whatever the reason is you that's been thrown in your face so often that they now have a phrase for the type for, for how you're referred to in society. And that's incel. And that's, that's wrong. These labels that we're putting on each other and these labels that, you know, especially these, and I'm sorry, read that, try to read that definition and, and view it in a positive light. You can't. Have you, you ever see those uh, like on street interviews, like guys that like walk up to the girls and they ask them oh, like, sure, a couple yeah. questions and always putting them on the spot. Right. And they're yeah. entertaining. And, and sometimes the interviews are, are kind of entertaining to listen to. And sometimes they're entertaining in a way of like, holy shit, this girl has the whole circus, you know, as a personality. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. there was one where a guy, he walked up to the girl and he goes, uh, he's like, what are some things that you have to have in a man to, to, you know, make them wait, like you want to date them or, or something or allow that she yeah. goes, well, I don't date men. They date me. And he was like, okay, so what are some things that they need to have for that to happen? In order to goes, date you, yes. Good, good, you know, it has to have uh, their own place. Can't live at home. Have to be able to pay their own bills, their own cell phone plan, have to have X amount of dollars, this, this, and this. So he goes, okay, so are you on that level on that level and she goes i don't understand he goes do you live at home or on your own do you pay your own bills or does somebody mm-hmm. else do it do you make x amount and she goes well no because i she goes and she said um i'm not here for men men are here for me or no she said sorry men are not here for uh women are not here for men men are here for women and yeah. he was like yeah okay so then he just walked away and i'm sitting here thinking i'm like this is the legit mindset of somebody Right. Like these are they're people who think like that. And and, it, it and, is, and it's a decent percentage. And it's wild to me. It is absolutely wild to me. And now, then then you go now ask look, a man and have a man say that. Right. And then when you I think he he interviewed the same guy interviewed a guy one time and he was like, so what are these? And he goes, be nice, like support yeah. me. Like understand that I have you know hobbies and you may think that yeah. they're weird but they're important to me and it was a completely vast and, and I'm not saying that it's always going to be like that like there are a lot well, of shallow all men, men out and there it's not all women yeah no right that's... and there's one name that gets keeps getting thrown around and this might be a topic for another time but I'm a, do you know who Andrew Tate is I recognize the name. Okay. Well, you, you look him up on your time and we can, we can talk about it another time, but I am, I, a lot of people are, a lot of men are gravitating towards him because they think that he is a voice for, for men, right. Of all men. And he talks about how, uh, you know, women are, you know, bashing men left and right. And that there's a, um, the uh, double standards and this and that, like he's an advocate for men. And some of the stuff he says, though, you're not, comes you're not off, talking about some bit, some kickboxer, are you? 
Well, he's a kickboxer. He was a kickboxer. Is a kickboxer, but he got oh, okay. kicked off the social media because some of the stuff that he was saying. And TikTok th- still hosting po- toxic posts of banned yeah. influencer Andrew Tate. Okay, I okay, got. So you. anyway, I'm going to look so, this guy up. Yeah. So there was something that he came across and said where even if he is just if you're just dating a woman, whether you just started or you're some months in or whatever, he came out and he was like, well. Uh, men are entitled to at least, uh, at least 50% of whatever the woman has. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he was like, no, he's like, if he, if I'd have you to guys yeah, are, elaborate, he was like, if you're dating and she has a job, you you're entitled to 50% of that money. If you guys are living together and they're like, no, that's not how that works. And he's like, no, if you guys are living together and you're dating, you're entitled to 50% of everything. And they're like, no, that's marriage. Because now that shit should start at dating. And that was the point where I was like, this dude has absolutely lost his fucking mind. That's an asinine statement. And he was talking about how, like, there is another video you could probably find. Where he's talking about, like, owning women. Like, you like you own her when you date. Like, you are entitled like as a to possession? this. Yeah. Like, you were entitled to this, oh, to this, to this. this, this to the like yeah. Dude. And I was like, ah. I was like, yeah, I'm not. And I was like, why are we, why are we okay with somebody like this representing your voice as being a man? Like, because I get it. There's because there's because there aren't any people that are louder. These, but there are some things, yeah, and that's what louder, it is. These people that are louder that are spouting this crap Bullshit. from, <laughs> yeah. That, he got that famous. Are this, yeah. He got famous off of like two videos that went viral where he was standing up for a guy and he was basically kind of like uh, pulled the double standards where it's like, well, you want X, Y and Z. But, you know, you want men to be emotional. But if he goes home and cries, you you're going to you all of a sudden look at him like he's some kind of like wuss. And all of a sudden he's he's not a man to you anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where that started. And I agreed with some of that. But there's a lot of things that he says that I don't agree with at all and and that's and that's key right there is there there are all these people that people follow and stuff like that including us you know you may not agree with everything that we say and that's okay and yeah and just just keep listening please i was hoping (laughs) i was was hoping that you knew who he was because we might have to bring this up we we We, we should bring this up though absolutely you watch it and we'll bring this up on the on the next episode because i would actually i was going to ask you was the comparison of would you be more team Andrew Tate or team Jordan Peterson? Oh, I can already tell you, but I'll, it's I'll but be, yeah. in the interest, in the interest of, of fully educating myself on the choice, I will, I'll look up Andrew. Yeah. Tate. Just look it up and watch it. Because watch, watch a few, few of his videos and see where his take is. And, and honestly, there may be some things that I agree with. There may, yeah, and there might um, be, I don't, um, I don't agree with a lot of it, but um that's that's what you're missing off of old tiki talkie by the way oh yeah i know i need to get back on tiktok because i actually <laughs> really enjoyed making those couple of videos that i did yeah and um, you sh- i don't know why you don't make more i don't know i don't know either I'll i've made a handful really i've made a, a couple decent i made a couple other ones but yeah but you know, i mean and, um, and this is but also but this is this is perfect and this is honestly it should be more like the topic of when we bring up maybe delve a little deeper into jordan peterson and andrew tate because they i mean from what from what I know about Jordan Peterson and from what you've told me about Andrew Tate, they seem like opposite sides of the spectrum. Um, but, you know, we, we have this uncanny ability as men to want to gravitate toward the loudest person making us feel better, mm-hmm. making us feel good, making us telling us that what we're doing is okay. 
And, you know, there are some people, um, you know, that, that tell us how things should be or, or in their opinion. And we're like, yeah. And then they, you know, then they say their se second sentence of that paragraph. And you're like, oh, <laughs> not, not quite. You brought me, you had me again. There's yeah, this, um, there's a stupid, it made me think of the stupid thing. You ever watch uh, duck dynasty? Uh, very little. Probably I mean, not. not. I, I loved, I love duck dynasty, man. That is and shocker, right? That is, and I had no, and I had no issues with duck dynasty. It was just never on my radar. Oh, I love it, man. Well, there is this thing and it was, uh, one of the, one of the brothers was out with his uncle. And he was like, he's like, uh, Sai, how's it, it going? Like like, what you... from Dynasty, he was like, well, he's thanks. I, I'll take that as a compliment. But uh, he's like, Sai, how's it going, man? What you doing? He goes, well, he's like, I had a little bit of this. And he's like, you lost me. Or he's like, all right, great. And he goes, and then I added a little bit of this. And he's like, you lost me. And he's like, I added this. And he goes, and I'm back. <laughs> and that's what I feel like. That's kind of like what you were talking about. I feel like that is where it's like they start off and you're like, yeah, you got me. And then they say something stupid like that. And you're like, oh, you ain't got me no more. And then they come back with something <laughs> well, else. And you're like, yeah, all right then. Well, think about it. We haven't had people as men. We haven't had a lot of people stand up on a soapbox and say, this is how men feel. And this is okay. And this is, you know, we haven't had people to, to really defend us as men when it comes to our mental health and the things that we have been pre-programmed to do almost, uh, almost genetically just due to the, you know, generations that have, that have followed the doctrine. Um, but then you, but now that, now that honestly men's mental health has started to become a little bit more of a, of, of a topic of, uh, in the forefront is now you have these loud people that really don't reflect what men were looking for as far as support or what men were looking for as far as advice or me what men were looking for as far as just a voice that they can get behind. And, but you know, it's that, that little nugget that you're like, Oh, well, yeah, I can, I can see that. I kind of agree with this. And, the rest of the diatribe that these people go on is not something that you, t that you really agree with, but because you got that little nugget and this is a voice, this is a voice for you that you're like, okay, well then I'll accept this, this big handful of crap that they're also spewing. I feel like that, that, I mean, that's, I feel like that's a big factor. in that. I do. Diatribe. You like to use some big words. <laughs> so my, my, actually my, shockingly, my mom my mom was a big fan of reading so <laughs> okay well that makes sense then. so shockingly enough i'm actually going to disagree with you on this oh please because i think that i don't think that there is a lack of voices i think there is a lack of acceptance of who is speaking because at time and time again there are plenty of athletes and those who are, say, like in entertainment who stand up and they will have a voice and speak out about these things will speak out about like men's mental health and stuff like that. But how often do you see when they do that and they talk about, you know, depression, and they talk about suicide? How often do you see how can you be depressed when you make millions of dollars and, and stupid shit like that? Right. But then you just take some average. Really? You just take nope. some average Joe, you just take some average guy and he starts talking about the same thing and everybody's like, oh, yeah, I like this guy. 
Is well, it because yeah. is it because of the status? Is it because of who's saying it? Is it because like maybe this guy came from nothing and you know and this athlete? Had, but we always forget the thing about the athletes is that at one point they were also down here before they got to here. It's not right? even at one point they still are. Just because they have money doesn't make them any less of a man or any less of right. a human. And I've always I've always been an advocate. Where, you know, the tax bracket doesn't change your mental state. No, I know. I know no. a lot of people think that money will change that, but it does not. Like you could, have, some of these guys openly admit, like Dak Prescott, Hunter Hurst is one of them. Where if you really want to hear a story, look up Hunter Hurst. Um, there's a, a gentleman now I can't remember his name because it was on the top of my head. I don't remember now. Um, that played baseball with the Giants, survived shooting himself in the mouth. Like he shot himself, survived, came back and played baseball. Like these guys who have made it are opening up about their experiences, but for some reason we refuse to listen. So that's why I said I disagree because I don't think it's a lack of people speaking. I think it's a lack of acceptance from who is speaking. I think we see these athletes and we go, Oh, you don't know shit. I would agree to a certain extent with with, with what you're saying, but also, you know, it is the number. It is just the sheer volume because you have, I mean, you think about it, you just the sheer volume of people talking about, you know, um, you know, this is this is my truth. This is that kind of thing, and I'm sorry. And this is not the political thing. This is my truth. Da, 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 da. This is all stuff that you know we can relate a little bit more, or at least we feel like we can a little bit more. And and you're right. I do believe it's the source that that mm. causes that. You know, we feel like we can relate to like you and me. We're we're yeah. I've I've climbed the ranks in management, but at the same time, I I still consider myself a pretty damn blue collar worker. Mm-hmm. Um, I still get I still get into a truck every now and then and, and, and make a run if, if that's what needs to happen. But, you know, when you and I are talking about men's mental health, um, it's easier for people to relate to us because of where we're at. And, you know, when you have somebody that has made millions and millions of dollars, unfortunately, that's something that we as human beings have been kind of trained to look at first is they're wealthy. So they have no idea how I feel. That's not the case. 99% of the time, that is not the case, but that's, that's kind of how we've, we've looked at it is, Oh, well, you know, they, they've got millions. They wouldn't understand where I'm coming from, but these guys, you know, Brady and Dan, they, they, you know, they've, they've, they've come from nothing. They've come from that dark place and they've, and, and they've they've succeeded, so I can relate to them a little bit better. I'm not saying that's acceptable. I'm not saying that the, that it's true, but the, I feel like that's kind of where us men as as a fraternity have have gotten to. Yeah, and we and we like to compete. We are we are we competitive. We do. And so when we when we look at somebody that's made millions, well, I haven't made millions. So what do they know? Do and you think that's what? Do you th- go ahead? Sorry, finish. No, and and that's where that's where the disconnect lies. Is yeah, they've made millions, but what were they like before they made their millions? That I, I actually that's what I was going to say was, do, do you think do you think if uh, suddenly you let's say suddenly you and I came into millions of dollars, okay, like we won the Powerball, right? And I mean, yeah. and we elevated our life, right? Do you think anybody who is listening from the beginning of this to let's say we've been doing this for two months living at a higher tax bracket. Do you think those same people are going to, are going to listen 
Like, do you think the people that were with us in the beginning would stay with us or do you think that they would taper off? And that's like, if anybody knew who came on, do you think they would hear us and go, oh, what the fuck do these guys know? They're millionaires. But if you dialed back to the beginning of the whole story, if you dial back mm. to the beginning of where we started, started you realize that we weren't, you realize that we weren't, right? And that's kind of where I get with the athletes where it's like, yeah, they make a shit ton of money. And they are playing a child's game and they're making a shit ton of money, but they're also that small, you know, 15% of athletes in, in like the NFL are better than 90% of the people in the, in the world, right? They have elevated their life to be at that point, whether they make it or not. And I can't, you can't blame them for doing what they've done to elevate their life. And I think that's where you get that disconnect between, well, what the fuck do you know? And then you go back and you listen to somebody's story. I said Hunter Hurst. I, I, his name is, is Hayden Hurst. I got people confused. That's yeah. Hayden Hurst, uh, Hunter. I was thinking of, uh, I was trying to remember his first name, but Hunter, I was thinking of Hunter Henry, who's another tight end. Hayden Hurst is the tight end that I was thinking of, but, um, you go back and listen to these guys' stories, like uh, the running back for the Raiders, uh, uh, Josh Jacobs. Him and his dad were living in their ca- in a car for like majority of their life, right? And you hear these stories and you hear about stuff like that, where it's like, okay, it starts to normalize things a little bit. And I think the more that these people speak out about those things, the more people like us will re- like the people society start realizing that. It really doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't pick and choose you. If you're struggling, you're struggling. If you have ish, you know, if you're, if you're battling, you're battling. Well, it's not, it's not about where you end up. It's about the journey. And, and I mean, as cheesy and as corny as cliche as that sounds, it's the truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of people look at, I mean, Richard Sherman, I'm, I'm a Seahawks fan. So, okay. Yeah, know, that's a good one take, right there. Take a look, take a look at Richard Sherman grew up in, from what I, if I remember correctly, Compton, um, hit the books got into Stanford, graduated with honors from Stanford, Had was one of the best cornerbacks Stanford's ever seen. And then he he takes off into the into the uh in the NFL and he starts speaking out about uh, about, you know, he, he didn't do a lot of it, not that I remember, but he started speaking out about stuff like that. And I'll be the first to admit I was one of those guys that was like, what the hell are you talking about? You went to this this Ivy League school, this, you know, in my opinion, I mean, to me, I don't think Stanford is technically Ivy League, but... No, but um, it is a top school. But, I mean. you know, it's, you went to one of the top schools in the country. You've, you know, you've had everything given to you because you, you've been a great athlete. And then you hear about a story. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's probably, as an adult, one of the first times that I ever kind of ate my own shoe. When it came to, you know, my opinion of somebody, you know, you hear he grew up in Compton, you know, he lost friends. He's, you know, he battled through, you know, he was the one studying at home when all of his friends were out doing dirt. And, you know, he knew and and he and he worked his ass off to get to where he was and to make those millions that he made. And I was one of those people that judged him that I was like, but- well, what the hell do you know? But then you heard about, well, like last summer where he was, went to like his ex-wife's house or something, had a complete total mental breakdown. Total like, mental breakdown. Total and people mental were, breakdown. And people were coming down on him for it. Oh, I'm they just, were, you're like, what, is, what is wrong with you people? And, and then you see because that. Because he obviously needed help. Yeah. And you see that and you're just kind of like, hmm. Like they're the shit's real. You know, you yes. hear about guys like, uh, you know, CTE is like the big thing, right? Like everybody's mm-hmm. talking about CTE in football. So you hear stories about like, junior C- 
Junior Seau, right? And guys like Steve McNair, who um, that was a little bit different. You know, he was sleeping with another woman too, but that was, you know, he, again, he had documented CTE problems. Junior Seau documented Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, uh, There was another guy who played for the Saints. Junior Seau shot himself in the chest in order to make sure his brain was intact so they could study it. Yep. And that's how aware um, he was. But then you start, and then you think about there was a couple other guys, like re- recent athletes that the NFL guys that passed away. And now they're, my mind is, is blanking on them, of course. Sure. The one time I need to remember useless information, I don't remember it. But um, again, it was the same thing. And a lot of it was um, a su- like sudden deaths, right? And every time you hear about sudden, no, you know, sudden deaths, everybody immediately starts thinking of drug overdose shot himself or hung himself yes. or something. Right. Yes. That's what they think about. And CTE is such a, I, I, that's a whole conversation for another story, but it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it is, it's a thing. And that, that plays into your, it plays into your mental health and your stability and where you at as a person. I mean, we all know who Antonio Brown is and we see his antics and there are people who are trying to defend him. You can't defend a guy like that who doesn't want help. He's not helping himself. Right. And then you hear about like NFL guy, you hear about these former athletes who retire, who come out and go like, yeah, man, like I went out of a game and faked my way through concussion protocol just to go back, you know? And they're like, I went back because I knew that if I got 20 more yards, I got $125,000 bonus, you know, and like shit like that, you know, um, like Clinton Portis is one of them who actually, he got arrested for defrauding, um, uh, healthcare system, but his, his argument was that it was money that was owed to him because of the things that he went through, through the NFL and the NFL, not helping him get through some of that stuff. And that's what you hear about yeah. a lot is the health insurance and the stuff like that. And basically like, if you get cut, you're on your own, whether you have injuries or not, like they don't look out for people. Right. And no. he openly admitted about, the like he I think he's documented like twenty something concussions and they only probably wrote down like three of them because he faked his way through the rest of them, you know. So it's like these guys these guys are just as real as we are because they're faking they're yes. faking shit through life just like we and, fake shit through life. And that's what we're getting at is you know it doesn't matter your 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 station I guess quote unquote you know I've never liked it but you know it doesn't matter your station in life we're all human. Um, and you know, this month, this, this is Movember, this is men's mental health month. Um, this is something that, you know, we need to shed a light on, you know, just because somebody ended up, you know, a a professional athlete or, you know, a professional, you know, entertainer or anything like that, you know, this is still something that affects, doesn't matter what walk of life you're from. It, it, it will, and, and probably already has at our age touched you in some way. Um, and that's something. I mean, I, I'm I'm glad you you brought up Rich, uh, Richard Sherman's complete breakdown last year. Is people people came down on on just negatively on him. Oh, he was he was drunk. He was this. Yeah, you know, may, maybe he was under the influence of something. But the fact of the matter is, is he was he wasn't himself. He wasn't well, he, he mentally mentally speaking. He was having a breakdown. And trust me, this is coming from a man who has had a complete breakdown. So you want to talk about that? I mean, anybody who had grew up watching wrestling is familiar with Chris Benoit. Everybody, oh, knows, you, know, you know who Chris Benoit was, and and the story of Chris Benoit is is heartbreaking, tragic. Like it, it, it'll it'll make you cry if you when you listen to his story. And you know, 
not, you know, we're coming up on time, so I'll be quick about it, was basically no, when he was in the WWE, he had to take uh, steroids because he had a low level of testosterone, like it was a medical condition. And then he started developing some psychological issues. And one day, you know, he stopped taking his medication and he was, he, for a while he was in a dark place and he stopped taking his medication and he ultimately, uh, murdered his family using his finishing move. Right. And people, it's, it's, if, when you go back and you look at the community, there are people who are, are, you know, they're distraught because of what he did, but they look at the big picture of where he was mentally and people are hundred percent believe and agree that if he was still taking, if he took his medication, he never went that far, but it, that dials back to like where you are mentally as a person and how much like a tiny little thing could really just fucking set you off. It can break you. Mm-hmm. It can shut you down. You can mentally have a breakdown. You can be like Richard Sherman at your ex-wife's house crying, waving a firearm because you're, you're, you know, you're just gone. You're not you're okay. Gone. Yeah. You know, and he was not okay. And Sher- Sherman was not okay. And people talk about that. Like Eddie Guerrero is another one in the wrestling and, and wrestling's big with that. And they do an awful job of sweeping that shit under the rug. Like they, like with when Vince McMahon was there, they didn't want it. Right. They didn't want anybody to learn anymore. They didn't want anybody to know about that shit. Right. But now you hear about that stuff a lot. You hear about things like that. And again, I think that just goes back to, it shows you that yes, these people are at a higher tax bracket, but they're just like us, you know, exactly. Anybody, everybody, and anyone's capable of having these breakdowns. And you can, and honestly, if you took, if you took five seconds to, to look, you would find examples of it all over. Yeah. That, that these people are, you know, just like us as yep. far as, you know, and, and by saying, and, and, and that's a terrible phrase too, because you're putting a separation in there. They're human beings too. Ju- just like me, just like you, just like everybody else. Yeah. Um, I mean, this wasn't, this wasn't necessarily the, the full topic we were, we discussed. It never is. When, when it never is. Um, but it is. You hear that? No, I couldn't hear you. I was all I could hear was '80s porn music. Oh, um, you still can't hear me? Oh no! You now can I can hear you. Hear. Oh, you no, can hear me. It is. It is. Uh, you know, Sunday, which means that you have Sunday. football and I have, I have football. football, and you have football in just a few minutes. In just a few minutes, but I, you know, we talk about doing this a lot, and we never actually stick to it. Where when we get to the end of the episode, we want to kind of do like the lighter side of things. And we don't I w- ever. I, I want to say, I, I have a lighter side question for you before we take uh, off. Okay. What am I up, eating? I up, no, I brought oh. up Powerball just a few minutes ago. What's the first thing you would do if you were to win that $1.9 billion? I want to say. I don't know. Whatever. Well, it's not going to be $1.9 billion, but it would still be a shit ton of money that we would win. Oh, um, well, yeah. But, I mean, yeah. I the think first I did the math, thing, roughly, roughly $1.2 billion is So, isn't that kind of wild, though, to think about, like, you're going to lose, like, eight, like, you lose, like, however much, like, all this like money. $700 million. Yeah, like, you lose yeah. all this fucking, fucking uh, money due to taxes because they're still going to get it back. And you're like, yeah, I want a, I want a billion. But it's like, I lost all of that money for taxes. <laughs> Just like, that is ridiculous. Um, so, first the first thing. thing uh, I would probably pay off my wife's student loans. 
and then I would probably pay off her car and then pay off the house and then probably put like 50% of that oh, money that's left over. Uh, actually, that would be a lot, 50%. So, okay, maybe like 20%. About- keeping hundreds of millions of what your checking <laughs> so then, account what is it? <laughs> so i would probably put like let's put like 10 percent of the what that away to uh for as fun for, money for baby no for the baby oh, for baby okay and then for the future and then uh maybe i don't know maybe we'll split that up and maybe the wife will get the boat that she has been wanting what what about you one question one question though okay would you would you still work yeah i can't not work would it may not be, be doing, as. Would you still be doing what you're doing? Yeah, probably, I mean, probably not. Come on, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'd probably be pretty content on like pushing carts at Walmart at that point. But no, I mean, I would. I would have to work because that's just how I am. Like, I can't yeah. not. And I would feel. Yeah. And we've already discussed this. I have this thing where it's like I feel like I don't have like I'm not providing like a purpose to like what I'm doing. So like me pushing carts is not going to give me that purpose i mean i so, guess i could be nice but what about you um for, i mean i would make sure that like i would pay off my mom's house i would pay off my my brother's house i would buy my dad a house i would buy us a house I mean, housing would definitely be one of those one of those first factors um but honestly like we it was sarah and i of course have, have talked you know we discussed it we never buy tickets but we discuss it and it's always fun to daydream but we we you know, we would, I, I feel like we, the only thing that would change would be our spending habits. Yeah. You know, we, we do, we wouldn't need this huge house. We wouldn't need a big mansion or, all the, or, you know, maybe some land, but, yeah. but honestly, like, yeah, we daydream, but it's funny because we, we didn't bring up, you know, oh, I'd buy a Lamborghini or we, we never brought up, you know, <laughs> no. I buy a mansion or anything like that. We always, we were just like, ah, oh, we'd buy a house. You know, we. <laughs> so uh, my brother's girlfriend at the time. I mean, the, I don't even know how to how to explain who she is, but now in her life, but she's uh, your friend. She's a basically adopted sister, I guess you could say yeah, at this point. So anyway, so she was telling this. She was telling Taylor this story. They they talk a lot, and she was telling this. She was telling Taylor the story about. Um, how like with the lottery ticket and stuff like that she was there is a more conversation to it but she was like you know she was like matt and i you know like we'd be paying groceries with with coins and pennies but we'd go spend money on lottery tickets and he'd look at me and go it's okay it goes back to the kids it goes back to the school (laughs) and he's like she's like well here we are fucking buying groceries with coins but of course that's okay and then she was like you know when he when he passed away, suddenly I had a lot of money, and I realized we're not buying cigarettes and lottery tickets anymore. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Oh yeah. my god!" But yeah, man. I mean, I think we need to do more of a, a lighter side of things towards the end. I mean, I think that's I nice. Think so. and, you know, we didn't talk about Halloween, but I Halloween. guess you guys, you guys had a good Halloween. Oh, we did. The kids dressed up. Uh, my son dressed up as Knuckles from Knuckles. Sonic. Yep. And. Um, Penny dressed up as Everest from Paw Patrol, and it took them two blocks to fill their buckets. Nice. Um, and let me tell you something. Whatever happened to that cheap-ass candy that we got when we were kids, like, it was all Smarties and little mini Tootsie Rolls from 1863. And <laughs> you know, all this shit. Oh, no. My kids get full-size candy bars. They get a ton of Snickers and Reese's. Oh, yeah, no. This, this is all good shit. So, <laughs> so I mean, my dad tax grew. That's what I'm going to say. Is there a dad tax? Do you have a dad tax? 
I haven't been able to enact the dad tax yet. Like that's that's not a thing yet, but it will be at some point. But it's all a dad tax because she's too young to to eat all that stuff. Yeah, but we didn't get to go to trick or treating because it downpoured, and we were going to meet up with Chris, and we hit a bunch of traffic. And by the time we we got like we were like three miles from his house, it only took us twenty minutes to get there because of traffic, and it was going to be like uh, like six thirty by the time we got there. And then they have to go, you know, put their daughter down, and I'm like, God damn it! So we had to turn around and come back, but we did let her hang out in her costume for a while. She was a, the cutest little bumblebee, too. The cutest little bumblebee. Yes, she oh, yeah. is. Yes, she is. Well, sir, it has been another successful episode. And uh, I know we have some people that want to come on. I know Blake would like to come back on. And Chris wants to I'd come back on. I'd love to have Blake and, and Chris and, and, and there's I mean, actually, everybody, honestly. Actually, there's a, a guy, a buddy of mine that would like to come on that I got to be a part of his podcast and did an episode. And sure. I'd love, I would love to have him on. He's a huge uh He's a huge um, like grill smoking kind of guy, and I mean he he's a good dude, and he want like he would love to talk about fishing and and food and oh, yeah, all kinds of stuff. I mean, we yeah. should we should do a live event. Like I've got uh, got my dad coming in for that that week of Thanksgiving. You're going to be gone, but you know we we should do. We've talked about it a number a of fireside times. chat. Fireside. Fireside yep. chat, and I could be sitting at the grill. You could be at your grill, and we could just be sitting there BS. And I think that's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. So, uh, do you want to? You want to? Your, well, fa- your, your final words, I mean, sir. <laughs> well, I, I think this is a, a good time to wrap things up. This has been another episode of Men in Your Life, unapologetically human. I'm Brady. I'm Dan. Thank you for joining us this week, and we will talk to you soon. And as always, it is okay to not be okay. And as iron sharpens iron, man sharpens man.